Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. But we know how to play to, to, to compete and to give ourselves a chance to, to have success, and we didn't do that. Um, that's not the, the hockey club that we saw tonight. That's not our hockey club. Um, you know, we, we, we play with more energy. We, we play with more bite, and, um, you know, we, we just didn't have uh, any part of our game um, from start to finish tonight. Oh boy, Dean Evison wasn't kidding. The uh, Wild not only lose 5-1 last night against the Avs, but they are outshot, uh, at least by the Avs uh, off-ice crew. 55-20 to was the count, but by that off-ice crew, which I think was pretty generous with the shots on goal. But nonetheless, uh, just about as poor a game as the Wild has played this season, about as one-sided. It is time for a, a Judd's Hockey Show one-timer. Declan Goff is out, so noted hockey guy and been doing a great job for us producing Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. A.J. Fredrickson is in for me to uh, bounce things off of. A.J., where do we even start with what we saw last night at, uh, I think it's Ball Arena now. Yeah, it is Ball Arena. Um, I think just opening puck drop because the first 16 minutes or so of the game yes. was offensive zone possession by the Avalanche. They were They looked like they were playing an AHL team. I mean, for a, a decor that you have, Matt Dumba prior to him leaving the ice, Ryan Suter, Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, they made it look like it was the Iowa Wild decor out there. <laughs> it was it was very embarrassing. And the, um, the amount of times I saw somebody just the weak clear off the boards that just barely floated out of the off or the defensive zone, maybe you change two guys and then all of a sudden you get right back in there and you still have half the guys on the ice tired. It was it was too much, and that led to, like you said, I think it was 20, 25 shots in just the first period alone. Yeah, so I got upstairs. I, I actually gave the wife the main TV uh, downstairs last night, so I went upstairs to watch the game, and I had trouble finding the remote control. So it took me a second to find it, okay? I'm not joking. So I find it, flip on the game, and I think there was 18-21 left in the first period. The Avs had five shots on goal, or were at least credited with five shots on goal by that point. I charted the shots on goal just during the first period as far as the differential, because the Wild got one relatively early, but they were stuck on one. It went 13 to one. Okay, that's bad. With 10 minutes left in the first period, it was 17 to one. With 620 left in the second period, it was 22 to one. And when and when McKinnon scored 
the first goal for the Abs at 11-10 in the first period. The shots at that point were 20-1. to um, So there's two things here. One is we could say what happened to the Wild because they looked like they didn't have – well, they didn't look like. That's not correct. They didn't have their legs. They looked dead tired. They looked like they weren't prepared to play for sure. But instead of going in that direction, because the Wild has had a really nice year. Like, they've played well. They just, what, swept a five-game homestand. They're going to play Colorado in Colorado again tomorrow afternoon in a matinee on Saturday. And then they're going to come back and um, uh, home to play, I think, three home games. I think the Ducks twice, perhaps, and yep. the Blues once. So the Wild's had a nice year. I, You know what I think this was? I think it was two-pronged. One, the Wild had a really bad night. Like, they played a really bad game. And an old Wild, with the old Wild team, I would melt down more because it would be symptomatic of what was to come. I don't think with this team that has to be the case. Like, they're going to have bad nights. This was a terrible night. But you know what I think this was really a product of? I think it was a product of the Wild being told by Colorado, which has had a very sporadic year, had injuries, and I've seen them play, including against the Wild, some crappy games. Like, they're a really good team, and at times, they don't look like they're applying themselves. AJ, I think what this was was Colorado, with everybody essentially back, McCard missed like nine games. He's a spectacular young defenseman. Um, the McKinnon line was going great guns. They are really deep, too, as far as their forwards go. I think this was them putting their skate down, basically, and saying, you think you're good, don't you? And the Wild's <laughs> like, yeah, we think we're good. And they're like, let us show you something. And the Wild is not nearly as bad as what they played last night. No. But I do think it's fair to say this. If Colorado applies itself, at, like completely applies itself, the team that a lot of people thought going into the season was a Stanley Cup contender. They are just flat out, not this much, but they are just flat out better than you right now. And this was a reminder of that. The Wild on Saturday, I think, will come back and play better. But if the but if Colorado plays this game, I don't think you're getting past them. No. Like like I think this is a I think this is a very indicative notion of the state of these two teams. Even if the Wild plays its best, if Colorado does as well, you still aren't there yet, which is okay. You're not. But this was a very sound reminder of we're really damn – I mean, we have we have a top line of McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog. You've got Kaprizov, who's great. Mm-hmm. You've got Fiala, who can be really good. But you don't have the centers, and you don't have the ultimate depth – that we do. I th- that was my biggest takeaway. When Colorado plays like they did last night, good luck. You know, you're exactly right. This is like growing up. You kind of do those competitions with your dad and whatnot, and eventually you get old enough and you're strong enough and you're fast enough to where okay, I'm gaining some ground. I might, I might beat him today. I might, I might be able to, you know, take him deep in that in that when we're just uh, he throw me batting practice. For me and my dad, you know, we're a big tennis family, so I would get out there. I'm kind of running around. And okay. I'm one of these days. I'm like, my my serve's getting good. I'm hitting. <laughs> I'm everything. But all of a sudden, he's like, eh, now let's put you back to where the rung of where you belong. <laughs> Just turns it on. Boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, game, match is over. Whatever. That is what the Avalanche did last night. And you're exactly right. Where it's been uh, very sporadic. Their top line had a very rough slump. That for a team to have success like them, at least. 
cannot have that type of slump. They showed what they're very capable of last night. They battled some injuries. They had the COVID protocols where some of their bigger guys were out. McKinnon definitely has not been um, maybe in the same conversation as a Leon Dreisaitl, Con McDavid this year just because of those injuries and what he's been dealing with. He definitely can on a good night, and that's what we saw last night, a good night by the top line, um, and they were firing all cylinders. They got a couple of good bounces, and it's uh, it, it reminds the Wild you're not the runaway favorite in this division. You're not. It's not just you and Vegas. Oh no, we are back in the conversation, and you are probably third now. Yep, I, I was going to say now. Now the Wild has not played the Blues yet. No, so and the Blues are sort of weird. I don't know on them, but yeah, if all of these teams are firing on all guns, I think it goes. Colorado, Vegas, the Wild. The Wild success against the Golden Knights is weird. I don't get it. But, I mean, since that team that team has been successful, I mean, hell, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year, which I still don't get, but they did. But the Wild has been good against them all of the time. Yeah. For, for the most part. And I don't know why, but, yeah, I think that this is – I think that this is Colorado and Vegas is really the top two teams. The Wild is probably next. St. Louis might be fourth. It might be swapped there. I don't know for sure. But what this did to me, too, was this served, and I think Bill Guerin knows this, but to the fan base, this serves as a reminder of why he is very unlikely to trade actual future assets at the April 10th uh, trade deadline for this year. Because you're not there yet. And I think if if you go get a center and you give up too much, I still think if you run into, and you probably will, the Avs in the playoffs and they play like they can, you're probably toast. But that does not mean that I don't like where the Wild's going. That does not mean that I don't think that they are on the exact right track. That does not mean that after giving up five goals last night, I was not, or I was bleeping impressed. Cam Talbot had an unbelievable game. Yes. That could have been a 10-goal game against. Like, that could have easily, the first period could have gotten out of control. Yes. Cam Talbot and, and uh, Kockanen, who's going to start the game tomorrow night, or tomorrow afternoon against the Avs, have been spectacular. And Cam Talbot's had what? Because he, he had a game against Vegas where he gave up uh, five goals as well, at least one. Um, for a guy who has been, and I don't know why, but it seems like he is more the sacrificial lamb at times than Capo is. The goaltending is something that I come back to and say, what a difference. I mean, can you imagine if Dubnik starts that game, if that game last night is last year, he gives up five first-period goals, yes. gets lifted, poor Stalock probably comes in for the final two <laughs> periods and gives up five more goals. So the goaltending is one place. If there is a bright spot from the massacre last night against the Abs, I would say it's goaltending. And the fact that they have gotten consistently really top-notch. I mean, Cam Talbot, first period last night, AJ, was fantastic. Absolutely. And they damn near went into the locker room after the first period down one zip. Now, they scored a late goal to make it uh, two zip because it was McKinnon scored and then Rantanen scored with uh, 58 seconds left in the period. But that was the one thing I saw last night, where I have just continually been impressed by the goaltending that this team gets. If you think about it, too, that first goal by Nathan McKinnon, very weird, very weird. He cuts the middle, and he tries to feather a pass to what would have been the blocker side of Cam Talbot. It hits off of a defender's stick, kind of waffles on net, and just through the motion of pushing uh, post to post, right through the wickets, and that's a goal. 
you you know, you could say he probably should stop that and all that stuff. You don't expect that. That's an unexpected goal. And the outpour I saw on Twitter and just social media was, why did we go with Talbot last night? Why are they deciding oh, to go with Cam Talbot? I'm glad you're going down Kak- this path. Kakinen has been unbelievable. He's on a, what, uh, nine-game win streak Eight for or himself? nine-game win streak, yes. Guys, you have two great goalies, one of which is currently, I, sh- I shouldn't say great. They're very above average currently. They're great compared to what you got last year. Yes. That's a fair It's great. night and day right now. Yes. But Kakinen is a rookie. I don't want to burn him out, and it's the same Dubnik conversation that we've had. I know you've had with Declan a million times. It's the same thing I've had with other people. You cannot ride the same horse every single day. If you have two nice cars, you're going to drive them both. You're not going to keep one cooped up in the garage. You're going to let both out there on the the highway going 60-plus. You know, it's you can't just rely on the hot hand every night because you're going to get tired out, especially in the shortened season where you're playing every other day. When it gets down to the final stretch, you're going to see these teams that have only one goaltender. If the Jets were a little more competitive this season in that uh, Canadian division, and they're not not competitive, but I would say they're middle of the pack in that division right now. Hellebuck is going to get tired. Hellebuck is going to waver and fade. But the Wild have where they can bounce back and forth. and It's a good problem to have these two goaltenders and decide who you're going with each night because down the stretch in the final few weeks of the season, heading into playoffs, and this is what Doogie said yesterday, they're basically right now a lock for the playoffs if it's continuing the way it is. They are going to have that goaltending save them a couple games. I don't think you could say that uh, the goaltending has necessarily won them uh, many games so far this season, but it's going to down the stretch. In, in the league now, in an 82-game season, you need two goaltenders. Like, this, the whole Dubnik thing, which, yes, he was traded here, yes, he was spectacular, and yes, he single-handedly dragged that team into the playoffs, okay? I, I get that. But it created this weird dynamic where Wild fans, or at least a faction of them, began to think, oh, you ride the hot hand, don't you? you got to ride the hot hand. That's not how goaltending and hockey works today. And as you said, in a 56-game consolidated consolidated season in which you are going to have, or I'm sorry, not going to have, you are in the midst of a crazy stretch right now because of all the games that you missed because of the uh, of the break, which I think was about a week and a half because of the COVID protocols and guys being out. Um, if you were to play Capo constantly, you would wear him out. He would begin to struggle, and the fan base would say, where's Talbot? What they, what... Everson is doing in goal is a thousand percent the right call. And and I will say it seems like the support of Talbot from the wild, and this is just a weird sports thing, is not as good as it is for Capo. But that's not Cam Talbot's fault. No. And these guys are a 1A and 1B. And if I was going to start a playoff series tomorrow, Capo starts. Um, and if he gets hot, I might change my thinking about the hot hand in the playoffs. But in the regular season, what they're doing, I'm with you, completely the right call. And in fact, I would criticize them, even if they won, if they rode, and they wouldn't. But if they rode Capo, I would say, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? And the Dubnik thing drove me batty. (laughs) It drove me batty because you wore him down, and then then he would struggle, and you'd still ride him. Like, we don't have, like, until... Last year, flat out, they didn't trust Daylock. In fact, I got into that disagreement 
with some people who were closer to the team than I was. I said, why don't you play Staylock more? They're like, you want us not to play Dubnik? You want us to play Staylock? And my thought was, well, if you don't trust him, then he shouldn't be your backup goaltender. Like, you don't, this isn't how hockey functions now. You can't ride a guy. Yep. Like, we are in the age of Rocco's rest and recovery and relaxation. That's true across all sports. That's not just true in baseball. So, you are a thousand percent right. Uh, Dumba. So, I'm looking at a tweet here from this morning from uh, Michael Russo of The Athletic. And it said, while defenseman Matt Dumba is doubtful for uh, Saturday's game against the Avs, uh, says Coach Dean Evison, better than it looks, he believes. If you saw it in the second period, he blew a tire. So he didn't get hooked. He didn't get, there was nothing from an abs player. Dumba, in his own zone, blew a tire, slid at a pretty aggressive speed towards the boards, tried to brace himself, and clearly jammed his right skate into the boards, tried to get up, could not. And in fact, Brodine and the athletic trainer had to help him off the ice. It looked bad. He could put zero weight on that right foot. Um, forgive me for saying this. I don't trust hockey people when they say it's not, not as bad because it often is as bad. Um, they don't tell you what's wrong. They try and downplay things. You know, the initial inclination is always, oh, well, just day-to-day, day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Marcus Johansson, folks, was day-to-day. He hasn't played in like three years now, okay? So I'm not trying to call Dean a liar. I am saying I don't trust him here. It didn't look good. Um, I contend that Dumba is a, an important piece of that team, yes. the blue line. And if you are without him and Felino for an extended period, a lot of teams have injuries. A lot of teams have problems. I get that. It is definitely going to take its toll, though. Um, and if he can't play for an extended period of time, I'm not sure about you. I want Kalen Addison back up here. And I want him playing. 1,000%. I don't want to get cute here. I, I think that Kalen is prepared to play. I liked what I saw. And again, and again with him, he does give you some of that offensive punch that Dumba has the potential to. And with how much this team now, and I love this fact, with how much they enable and encourage their defensemen to jump into plays in the offensive zone, I think Kalen could actually be a a really nice transition and, in fact, give you a look at what the future might be because I'm pretty sure that Dumba's not going to be back next season. Like, like I think he's going to be traded yes. or gone. But I'm saying I think I think Kalen is the next step, so give him a shot now. I think that makes sense. Yeah, no, def- I, if Dumba is out for a significant amount of time, whether Ryan Suter wants it or not, you need to bring him up and you're going to put him on the power play with him. He is offensively gifted. I'd like to talk to you about that. Okay. But keep going. Uh, he is, I mean, he controls the puck well. He has fantastic vision. And like you said, he is able to hop up in the play and be this offensive guy who can maybe get low in the corner, but he's not going to be stuck down there for too long. He'll he'll do his thing. He'll get done what needs to, and then resort back to the blue line and get back on defense, which is, I think, what you want. And the fact that they were able to get him in that in that trade with Pittsburgh is... Still astonishing to me today, uh, given what we know now, especially. Um, but yeah, he needs to come up. And with the going circling back to your maybe trade trade deadline lack there of moves, Matt Dumba, I think, is well known as probably the main piece that's going to be on its way out at some point here. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams right now, seeing that he's already been hurt already this season, we are unsure of what's currently now. He's, I think, his value 
has definitely dropped. Yes. They're not going to get as much as they no, were. No, you don't trade him. You know. You're, Especially with yes. two years ago, the bicep injury. Yep. He is not going to bring in the value that a lot of people want, and it's going to be the Minnesota homegrown. Yeah. We know what he can do. We know what he should be, but he's but he's not there anymore, guys. His he, value has declined. You do not make any trades of guys who who you like as young players or guys like Dumba who you could get uh, something for this summer right now. I, I th- if you're unless you, you get a really good deal on a center, and I don't think that you're going to because if you find a good one, they're incredibly expensive. Yeah. I don't think you make any trades that mortgage anything or appear panicked. I think you let this. I I become convinced now. You let this team, which has done a nice job, I think you let them play this thing out. Um, but I'm not trading a Boldy. I'm not trading a Rossi. Um, I think that. You're right on Dumba. If I could get the right return for him, I would, but you're not going to. Not, 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 not right, right now. now. So I let this play out, and I say, you know what? We know exactly where we're lacking. That's fine. We're going to address it, but we're not going to do it for 2021. We're going to do it for 2021-22. Uh, okay, you hit on this briefly, and I want to ask you this. I've given my opinion, so I want yours. First power play, okay? Kaprizov, okay. Mm-hmm. Bukestead, you don't have a center. You just don't have a center. Anybody they're throwing out there to take the faceoffs, whoever's at center, your goal is to win the faceoff. Because exactly. I, I am so tired, and I've and I've written about this before, that they need to win the draw. Because I'm so tired of it coming out of the zone. Then we spend 40 seconds, Judd, trying to just re-enter, not even set it up, just get back into the zone. And what makes no sense, though, as Walls pointed out on the telecast last night. Bukestead has a habit of getting kicked out of the draw. So I'm not quite sure why he's taking the draw, but he is. And then he gets kicked out and gets replaced by the next guy, Fiala. Power play guy. Makes perfect sense. Yes. Zuccarello on a point. Makes perfect sense. Explain this to me. Why is Ryan Suter on the first power play? Don't you know? He weak. I... I'm so glad I think we are on the same page about this because I have griped about this for so, so long. What is the point of these five mile per hour fluttering wrist shots from the blue line that don't threaten the goaltender whatsoever? I get you're going to stat and, you know, get shots from the point and it's going, you can, somebody can deflect it. If you put a guy like Caprizov out there, Fiala, who's got good hand-eye coordination, that is not the time for that shot. Five on five, even strength. Perfect. There's more bodies out front. Whatever. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm with you. And per, he's got to be out there regardless. On the power play, your job is to get shots on net and score. So that's going to be high velocity shots, Judd. Not these waffles coming in. Not these softballs. And I want a blistering slap oh, shot, if anything. Wait, hold on a second. But do you have a guy that can provide? Oh, Matt Dumba can. Wow. But oh, he, but he. Okay. So what's the? But are they that concerned about if it's Zuccarello and Dumba that they're going to give up a shorty? Because you know what, I would risk. That power play is so bad. I would risk a shorty. In fact, I'll give you three or four. I, I mean, I, I heard I heard uh, LaPanta on the telecast last night that the Wilds like one of three teams that has not um, surrendered a shorthanded goal this season, okay? I would spot you three or four yep. per season to have Dumba's slap shot. But, I mean, I just don't understand how Suter maintains that job. Like, of all the things. It has to be just the, the veteranness or which... But does he? But but Dean's done. But Dean's basically done everything you would want him to do with that core group, right? 
I mean, my God, he scratched Zach. Zach is a non-factor now. Yep. Whatever you're going to do with Zach, I don't know, but he is a non-factor now. Like Dean has in Dean and Garen have instilled their will on that roster, which I love, except for 20 still being on the first power play. You know what? Okay. You don't trust Dumba. Put Spurgeon out there. Much more of an offensive threat. Much more. I mean, Ryan Suter is a zero offensive threat. He is on your power play. The last time I checked, the goal of the power play, offensive threats. Two plus two still equals four. The goal of the power play is to still score. You're not out there to play defense. You are out there to score. Get somebody out there who can actually contribute offensively to the two minutes. Like, that's all I'm asking. If you want to put them on the second for maybe when the you get the first unit out there for a minute 30 and then maybe it's going to transition back into five on five play, that's totally fine. But for the first top unit, you need somebody who's actually going to benefit the rest of the lineup. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And like you said, I, I would love to, if I knew Dean personally, I would love to just ask him point blank. What is the thought process here? Because I don't, I don't oh, see he'd it. He'd tell you how great Rye Seats is. He'd tell you a fan. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I just don't understand. It's the one, it's like the one vestige of the old wild. Yep. It's like the one thing where you're like, hold on, Dean, you've done everything else. You benched, you benched 11 for an entire game. You, scr- you healthy scratched him, which, by the way, I applauded. And 20 still is on the first power play? You know? It's the, you just got a car wash. It's two weaknesses then. Be, yeah. Because the center is. And there's basically nothing that can be done there. I'd get that yeah. one. Okay, you don't have that guy. And and I don't think he's coming until 2021, 22. I understand that. That's not your fault. But leaving 20 out there like he's some type of stabilizing influence on the power play with all these other moving parts, you know, Fiala, who I like a lot, and Kaprizov, who I absolutely love, and, and Zuccarello and Kaprizov, unbelievable pairing. You have, you have to have them together. I totally get that. But then your uh, your other answer is to be like, yeah, we're going to put 20 out. There. I just, somebody, nobody can explain it and where it makes sense to me. So, Yeah, I mean, just looking at it one more time real quick, as much as, as, as painful as this is, it's Suter and Fiala currently listed at the blue line for that. And I get that because Fiala, he, he's going to shoot it. You're gonna team. Yeah. You're gonna let him team. And Fiala up. and Zuccarello switch off that role, I think, quite a bit. Yes. So they're the two high guys. But I mean, and that's the thing too. So so the Avs, who are spectacular, okay? Mm-hmm. AJ, the Avs run those high sets, right? So around the blue line, high in the zone, offensive stuff that for a long time the Wild could never do. Like they could not do those things. They didn't have the skaters. They didn't have um, the skilled guys. Kaprizov, Fiala, Zuccarello can do that now. Yep. So they are running these very 2021 offensive uh, uh, sets up high that are absolutely awesome to watch. And 20 just gets in the way. He literally is just in the way. Like these guys are a high-flying Harlem Globetrotter act. And 20's, and I mean, he is what he is. And that's, you know, I'm not saying, I mean, Zach, Zach to me is close to unplayable at times. Suter's not. He's valuable still. Yeah. But not in that role. Defensively is where he shines. And with still. Spurgeon, he's your captain. Put him on the bleeping first power play. Tell Ryan, you're not, you ain't the captain. You ain't the, you know, if you don't want to do Dumba, do Spurgeon. You know, and that's where Jared should go. Bleep you, Ryan. I'm playing on the power play. And imagine 
the rest of the locker room seeing something like that, you know, shy and soft-spoken Jared Spurgeon. Now you're a captain, though, man. You're yeah. the captain now. You need to do what's best for the team. And you say, hey, I'm taking over this role. We're going to get, like you said, you are not, you're not just competing for the worst power play percentage of all time. You were in a firm grasp. Oh, you are historically awful right now. And you can't set up. You can't, again, power play goal last night. Victor Rask, nice shot, zero setup. He just came in the zone, caught the goalie and defenseman by surprise. All right, that is our uh, latest Judd's Hockey Show one-timer. AJ doing an outstanding job sitting in for Declan. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back soon to talk more about this interesting hockey team, and at least they are that. We'll talk to you later.